Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way, hands down, to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and this is a godsend 24-7 customer support. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code CG, like Chris Gethard. CG is the offer code. You put that in at checkout, you get 10% off. Oh, hi there. Hello. You're listening to a show. I bet you're wondering who I am. My name's Chris Gethard, and the show is called Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People. It's one phone call, one hour, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. You're about to hear a very intense phone call. If you like your podcast to be light and funny through start to finish and you you like just having them on in the background this is this episode treat this one a little differently out of respect for this very brave honest fascinating human being who shares so much guys i cannot stress this enough and uh, i'll tell you what here's a tease it's the only call so far we broke the rules there's very few rules to this podcast we break them you'll hear why and i think you'll agree that it's okay to break the rules sometimes because you got to put people first Got to break the rules if it's about taking care of another human being. And this person opened up and gave us all the chance to take care of her. So I hope we choose to do so. Enjoy this call. I did. It was intense. I had to push the mic away a few times because my emotions were really getting the best of me. I will never be able to thank this caller enough for being so brave and so honest. Beautiful Anonymous. Check it out. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. Hey, this is uh, Gethard. How are you? Hi. I would love to say my name, but I won't. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's that's like the whole premise, so that would be good. Um, well, it's nice to meet you. You're uh, a very funny favorite of most of my podcasts. So. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. So you have a podcast. Oh, well, um, I'm working on one, but... Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Oh, so. oh, oh, I understand. Nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that, thank you for the kind words. Yeah. <laughs> so we can talk about whatever, whatever you feel like. Well, can I ask you some questions and yeah. start there? Okay. Ooh, okay. Can I ask you some weird ones? I've got a couple on deck, actually. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> you sound like you've like, uh, so. do you have these written down somewhere? I I like whenever I come up with strange questions, I like to write them down because I think that uh, I don't know. Oh, perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. So, okay, if uh, you were to start your own country, who would write and or sing the national anthem? Wow. <laughs> That's just a question you had sitting around. Yeah. Uh, I, I Whenever I come up with strange questions, I used to do an interview show. Uh-huh. And so whenever I would come up with strange questions, like I'd sit on the bus or be, you know, just well, this overhearing is be people. At, this this episode is going to fly some by. Other ones if you don't like that one. No, I like that one. I mean, my answer would have to be Morrissey. I'm obsessed with Morrissey. Have been since I was 14 years old. I have... Uh, 
two Morrissey-related tattoos. So how can I in good conscience say anybody but Morrissey would write the national anthem? Which also means it would be like self-deprecating and charming and slightly sad, which I think are things that if I founded a country, those would be core, those would be like in the Bill of Rights, (laughs) some of those qualities. So I could imagine a very sensitive and emotive type so I, I could see that. I would. I would. I think I'd like um, to be the founder of a very sensitive and emotive country. I love those words. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, if you and if you were to be eaten by an animal of your choice, which one would it be? Great and okay, question. the thing is, you have you have to die. Okay. And you have to be eaten by this animal. So, but you get to choose the animal. Okay, so I have to die if I'm going to be killed by an animal. Um, can I ask for some weird clarification? Sure. Is this in private or is this something like my wife might see? Hmm. Because your choice. I have two ans- I have a dual answer. If it's there's a part of me that feels like the f- like the most fun answer is to get mauled by a polar bear in a very public place with no explanation, no context. <laughs> Somewhere like Times Square, maybe directly underneath the Eiffel Tower. Just I'm screaming in my oh, underwear. Nice. I turn a corner, I'm screaming in my underwear. A polar bear is rampaging behind me, pins me down, kills me. <laughs> and no one ever finds out how I got my underwear or why there was a loose polar bear in the middle of Paris, France. Like, <laughs> I like that. As far as the humor value and like legend building, I'm really, I really like the idea of like you have to tell your own story sometimes. And I think I've, that's served me well nice. in my life to like be kind of aware of who I am from the outside and how to like help tell that story. And I think that would be a perfect end to a story. But then I think about the fact that like my wife would see that on the news. My mom would see that on the news and I don't like that part. So there's a part of me that feels like the, the noble way to go out for my loved ones is right. just they would to, have like, to relive that all the time. Cause they it would, would be, have to re- yeah, it would be legendary footage. So then there's a part of me that's like, maybe I just get like swallowed by a giant anaconda. Like I'm there and then I'm gone. And nobody ever has to think about it again. So it really depends on how much of a narcissist I am on that particular day. How much do I want the attention? Well, wouldn't there wouldn't there still be a giant Chris Gethard shaped uh you know, anaconda there trying would. to slither around? At least for a few hours you'd see the distinctive outline of my trademark glasses through its skin. Um and I like that part. I like the fact that you'd see my hands feebly trying to punch through the anaconda. I like it. But it does bring up an interesting thing, which is like, uh, you know, like once I got married, I feel like my narcissism really, I, I, probably I lost about a third of it because all of a sudden I had to worry about someone else, you know? And this, the, the answer you to your, oh yeah, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, do you think that it actually started when you got married or do you think it happened before then? Well, it's interesting. Or do you think it just was cemented at that point? Well, you know, it's like I feel like every comedian, any public performer, especially someone who does solo performing, you got to be a little Mm -hmm. bit, you want the spotlight on you, you know, on some level. And I'm a pretty shy person in real life, but bottom line is that let alone I have, uh, you know, I think the project that most people associate me with is this show that I have that's named after me. So there's definite elements of narcissism there. (laughs) But I look back and tons of the stuff I used to do creatively was all about like, how can like I wind up in a fan's house or what can I do to get a person like 
Like I once hosted a show in my house. I once did a show where people wound up visiting my parents' house without us telling them. It was all about me, me, me. And now they're getting married puts up some limits. Like I don't want anyone to know where I live. I don't want anybody to even know what neighborhood I live in because I got this wife. And she's, I dragged her in. She's not a comedian. She didn't sign up for this. So I drag yeah. her into this world. I can't have all these. Uh, I love I love anybody who's a fan of my work. I really love them. But I'll tell you, I don't think any of them would argue that they're known for being a socially awkward lot. And at times that can be a little bit intimidating. <laughs> and at times you have a conversation with me. I don't always know how to have a conversation. And you have somebody else who's nervous or doesn't know how to have a conversation in their own right. And it can feel a little bit, you know, like when you're having a conversation like that, that's stunted, it can, you feel a little bit like, man, like your, your, your guard goes up. And I don't like dragging my wife into that. So I've really slowed down with like the all access nature of things in my life. So thank you for asking a cartoonish question about animal death, because it really has helped me put this in perspective. What animal would you get eaten by? Hmm. I would like something legendary, I think, like a giant whale. You know, Ooh, I'm on a... Biblical. On a, yeah, well, it would be something, you know, if you were out on a cruise or some kind of thing like that, and just a giant whale. Everyone, it would have been like the polar bear thing, except for without yeah. the gruesome part. Mm-hmm, smart. And yeah, I think that that would be kind of epic. I like that. I, so I like that you're on a cruise ship. I like that you're on a vacation. So what? How does this work? You it's like end on a high note, hopefully. Oh yeah. So you're on a vacation. You're playing shuffleboard on the top deck. There's a wind. There's a gust of, of wind. Everyone mm-hmm. sees it. You're holding the rail, and the wind is holding you horizontal. And everybody. Oh, it's just it's just gorgeous. It could not be more beautiful. It's just. Uh, no, no stress. Everything in my life has been taken care of. Yeah. I'm on vacation. <laughs> it's the last day heading into giant whale. And then it's a whale yeah. like they've never heard of this species before. Yeah, like you blow off. And people <laughs> see you falling and they're like, you know what? It's not high enough that she's going to die. We'll get the lifeboat. We'll go get her. But right before you hit the water, <laughs> giant whale leaps out. You're caught. What's that called in their mouths? Baleen? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It's like giant uh, push broom material. Yeah, you like get sucked Yeah, like a big uh, <laughs> car wash, like a big car wash in a whale's mouth. And then, what do you think? Do you uh, do you die immediately, or do you live a life inside the whale for a while? Do you ultimately die inside the whale mm. of malnutrition because you're just eating the plankton it eats, and a human can't oh, sustain on that? There would be like an. I would assume there'd be some kind of instant death of uh, suffocation. Suffocation. I mean, I, I'd like to think it. Would, I'd like to think it was like Pinocchio, and I could have a little like table, and you know, yeah. The tide comes in, the tide goes out, but it would smell so bad in there. I like that in this world <laughs> of you falling off a cruise ship and being eaten by a giant whale that's right there. Ultimately, in the end, you're a mm-hmm. realist. I like that part. <laughs> I'm, I'm very dichotomous. What can I say? I like it. So you mentioned you had a podcast and you can't reveal too much. You, you've mentioned you've had an interview show and I know you can't oh. reveal too much just because you're right. staying anonymous. But um, Well, I, I used to, but I'm did. actually working on one now where it's, it's all me. So when you were talking about that kind of pseudo-narcissism, I kind of understand that. Yeah. It's, Kind of, I think it's a desire for me personally to put something out into the world that actually is responded to in a way. And I think that's kind of what 
And like every time I see you in something and other people will miss, you know, I'm, I'm a very deep comedy nerd. So, uh-huh. you know, when I see certain people, I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so or that's so-and-so on At Midnight. I can't believe you don't know who that is, you know, or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I get kind of excited about stuff like that. And I, I think maybe just at one point, I'd like for someone to be like, that person made me laugh when I didn't think I could. I was having the worst day and I put this little stupid 15 minute podcast on and I just laughed. That's you awesome. Know, I mean, who doesn't, right? Like who doesn't want that in some way? And I think that's why my favorite performers are kind of similar to you in that way where it's the introverted extrovert. Do you feel like that applies to you? Like the, you're very much, I want to be out with people, but when I don't, I really don't. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that's, first of all, thank you for the kindness. Second of all, I'll say, I oh, assumed sure. I assumed you were a deep comedy nerd because you've on some level um, heard of me, which means you're in pretty deep because mm-hmm. I'm pretty low on the totem pole. Um, but I think I that's totally I true. Trust me. I think that's uh, I think that's really true what you just said and to me that's the best part of the job as a comedian as I've gotten older it's funny cuz I've had like you know I've had some professional successes I've had I've taken my lumps but to me at the end of the day I feel like what's still it's weird cuz it's like when I was younger you know I used to chase success I saw a lot of my friends getting famous I'm like why not me chasing that but then as I've there's been times where I've gotten close to high profile stuff and some stuff that I think some people don't get to have and that there is a mark of success there. But ultimately, what's funny is that what it always loops back around to for me is that the best part of being a comedian is exactly what you said of like somebody's having a shitty day and I can get them to laugh. That's a good, that's a great gig. To me, that feels like you're doing something that's actually uh, positive on some level. And I'm not a saint. I'm not saying that I'm like solving the Flint water crisis by any means. I'm not saying that I'm like, you know, I'm not on a Greenpeace boat stopping uh, – you know, whalers, but on some level, I think I'm doing something positive. Well, you better get out there because one of them's going for me. Yeah, I mean, I should be. Well, no, <laughs> hold on though, because if I was on a Greenpeace, whales is coming out. Exactly though, but that's why you don't you don't want me on the Greenpeace boat because if I'm on the Greenpeace boat, I might save the whale that someday kills you. Ah, oh, damn it, you're right. You're an anti. You are. You should officially be anti whale at this point. <laughs> I'm very pro whale. Uh, well, so let me ask you, when you said you thought you were close to success, and I don't know, do, would you like this to be more steered toward you or me? Because either way, I'm down. You know what? But I want to ask you, uh, what do you consider success? Because you said that you felt like you were close to it. And the thing is, by most people's standards, you are very successful. So the thing is, it's all a personal 100 at that point. So let's talk about this because so, I'm loving this conversation. Oh, yeah, unpack that. You're being very thoughtful, and thank you for it. So two things. One is whatever you want it to be. So if you want to keep talking to me, that's fine. I'll tell you my natural instinct is going to be to keep trying to make it about you. So we can just ping pong that back and forth, see oh. how it goes. I like that we've called I'm it down. out. And as far as hey, what I'm I th- down to plan, let's go. It's interesting. It's like as far as what success is, it's interesting because I self-deprecate. My friend Tammy, I have a good friend, Tammy Sager. She's one of my best friends. We do a lot of comedy together. And she always yells at me because she's like, you self-deprecate too much. And you're actually like a hardworking dude. And you fought for some stuff. And you have some success. And you got to do the thing. I think I do this too. But do you do that? Like, oh, I'm such an idiot. You know, just for over nothing. That kind of stuff. Or is it just deeper? It cuts deeper on a few levels, which is one – 
Like, okay. I understand that I have some success. I have a TV show named after me. It's my job now. I've written a book. Yeah, like this. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you for watching. And there's some stuff out there that I've done. But there's a few things about it. It's like, one, it could all end tomorrow. You know? It could all end. And, like, the success of that creatively I'm very proud of, but financially in particular. Like, if my – I don't know. I don't want to air my finances. I said I have a wife. I like to keep some things private. I'm on on food stamps trying to become a voice actor. So I completely understand what you're talking about. Yeah. You know? But it's like – Whatever success is to you. Yeah, so it's like I'm, I am successful, but if it if my show got canceled, or like we're about to start at the time we're taping this. I don't know when this will be released, but we're we're about <laughs> we're like going to start um, taping the next season of TCGS in about six weeks, I think. And if if we do our ten episodes and then it gets canceled, I'm telling you, I don't know how I'm going to be paying my mortgage by the end of the year. So. That's a scary uh, and thing. And that's, that's so hard for people who do freelance. Like, I edit sound and stuff like that for podcasts for people. I never know when they're going to want me to do that. So I'll get yeah. someone who's like, hey, here's 20 bucks. Here's, you know, here's this much. Can you come record this or do that thing? Sure, but you never know when it's going to come back in. And I'm even further down on the totem pole, you know, to the point where, uh, you know, you were on at midnight. I was actually in the audience that the one episode you were on. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I had a lot of fun with that. And Oh, yeah. And the thing is, it's great, but it's one of those things I'm like, those guys probably think that they are unsuccessful. And it's so, it's, it's, it's just that when you hit the next tier, okay, well, when I get here, will I be happy? Will that make me happy? You know, well, that's or, the big thing. It's success. That's one thing that it's taken me years and years to realize, which is that success and happiness are not synonymous. They're not. And you have to kind of. <laughs> it's true. And I think you kind of have to prioritize which one you want at times. Because to me, it's like, and some for some people, success is a pathway to happiness. For myself, I have kind of learned that it's not. And, um, and and one of the most eye-opening moments, I think, of my entire life was, at this point, this must have been about, geez, like, uh, maybe eight or nine years ago. I was doing a show at UCB in New York, and UCB, it's a comedy space where a lot of the, you know, a lot of famous people drop by. And I was oh, in... Yeah. Oh, I was, yeah. I'm, I'm, I know UCB. <laughs> yeah. And I was in the green room one night, and I, I was listening to two people talking. And I was just kind of a fly on the wall. I wasn't eavesdropping. They were talking right in front of me. And these are friends of mine, so they were comfortable. Mm -hmm. But they were telling me one of them was on Saturday Night Live at the time. And the other one was Mm -hmm. a correspondent on The Daily Show at the time. And they were two old friends, and they were talking, and they were like, man, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And if this thing doesn't work out, then blah, blah, blah. I'm really stressed out. Like, me and my wife are going to have another kid and, and blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. And I was like, man, like these guys have these jobs and I chase these jobs. Everybody, every comedian chases these jobs. You think you're a correspondent on The Daily Show? You feel like you're going to have it made. You feel like you get on SNL. Like every comedian's chasing that at some point in their career. Mm-hmm. And then I listen to these people and I'm like, oh, they're just as stressed as I am right now. And this was probably like 2007 before I had anything oh, yeah, anything yeah. going on. And I'm like, it was such an eye-opening thing for me because it was like, oh, 
like I'm assuming that I'm going to chase success and that's going to make me happy. But in reality, all my anxieties and nerves and fears are built into me. And the chasing success isn't going to fix any of them. And maybe I just need how to, need to learn how to live with them. And that opened up my eyes a lot. And then I was on this sitcom in 2010 that had all this buzz and was supposed to be my big break. And it was a fucking disaster. And I've talked about that too much in my career. But the really, really beautiful thing about it is when it failed, I didn't give a shit. Like it didn't hurt. And I was like, oh, here's this success and this status symbol thing. And uh, mm-hmm. this job that was high profile that made me feel like I was part of the cool kids club. And it didn't make me that happy. <laughs> and then when it failed, it didn't hurt that bad. And it made me realize like, oh, I think my priorities are different than this. And I think I assumed the success was going to make me Success would help me be happy and put my demons to bed, but success right. and happiness aren't the same thing, at least for me. That was eye-opening, and that's why I, that's, why I tell you, that's how you wind up on public access TV for four years, though, is when I'm like, oh, <laughs> success doesn't make me happy. Let me chase the creativity that does, and I don't know. That wound up being yeah. a good choice for me, I think, but keeps looping it around to me where success is a major question in my life because it's like, what is it? I don't even know what it is, so... um it's it's so subjective. But it do you is. think that upon do you think that once you've been uh, directing yourself more toward family, do you feel like you're not that it trivializes what you've done professionally, but do you feel like your your scale is kind of shifted in a way? Well, in terms of that that term of success, in a way. Well, it's interesting. Does that make sense? It's it's interesting because I think I, I I understand your question and I think there's some layers on it where it's more simple than that. Where to me it's just about like certainty. And what I mean by that is I've never made a professional choice that I'm certain about in my life. It's always a crapshoot. It's always wondering, is this going to take up time? <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, is this, if I make this choice professionally, am I going down a road where that time would be spent better elsewhere? Or should I be going on more auditions and trying to do a traditional thing because I'm trying to be this underground guy? And that's working okay, but like, would yeah. that be more viable if I like made some efforts to bust out in a mainstream way and then looped it back around and earned the right to do my stuff? It's all that, but the only it's this is going to be schmaltzy. The only choice I've ever made in my adult life that I'm certain about is that mm-hmm. my wife should be my wife. It's the only thing I ever made that I'm 100% like I got lucky on that. She's the best. I'm lucky to have her in my life and that's the one thing I'm certain about. That is fracking adorable. Thank you. I like I no, I seriously like there's so it's so rare that I've heard that from people. You know. Uh there's a lot of people who are like, I yeah, uh-huh. And you're going, Wow, you did you just have like a very small pool to draw from or is this just I guess this is what I get? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, I've heard even married people are like, Meh, he's all right. No, well, like you were never just. This should be something you're very sure about. <laughs> Indeed, and I might. So it's refreshing to hear you be so sweet and simply, you know, in a simple way, very, very, very romantic. It's very sweet. So. I'd like to think it's a realistic romance that my wife and I have, and it's you know, my first of all, my personal That's life was a fucking chaotic perfect. mess before I met her, and she solved that problem in my life, and also she went out of her way to say to me. Like, I'm a huge supporter of what you do, and if you die poor, we'll still die happy. And that was the most, that was, nobody's ever given me permission to be myself like that. (laughs) 
So you let me know. Food stamps. Oh, What's the deal with amazing. that? What's the deal with the food stamps? Now I'm going to turn it back on oh, you. Dude. You've made this all about me. Well, guess what, my friend? The tables have turned. You're on the hot seat now. Oh, sure. You're on the hot seat, okay? This all ain't right, a one. Honey, how much time you got? I've got a story okay. and a hat. Uh-huh. I'm not entirely sure where this conversation is going. You don't know either. Got a short break. We'll find out where it's going when we come back. Today's episode is brought to you by Merge Records, the label that over the last 25 years has been home to many great bands. And I don't even know why I need to say them because you know this. Arcade Fire, Spoon, Neutral Milk Hotel. That's who everybody loves Neutral Milk Hotel. Merge recently released records by M. Ward, Benji Hughes, and the Mountain Goats, who I bet fans of this podcast like all those emotions and feelings that the Mountain Goats bring to the table. Look for new albums from Bob Mould and Eric Bachman in stores later this month. Visit MergeRecords.com to learn about, listen to, and shop for music by these artists and many more. And speaking of shopping, listen to this. This is cool. Listeners of this podcast, you get 20% off any order using coupon code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. That's rad. 20% off Merge. You can stock up, get the whole Mountain Goats back catalog, you emotional little twerps. All right, listen, domestic shipping, as always, is free. You go to MergeRecords.com, you enter beautiful at checkout, 20% off your purchase. Merge Records, home of independent music since 1989. It's all about the phone calls, baby, so let's get back into it. Here we go. I've got a story. Okay. And a hat. Uh-huh. All right, well, I'll give you the super quick version that I lived in San Francisco and then Seattle for a three, for about three years. And then I moved down here and I so was being doing LA, right it sounds like. Oh, Los Angeles. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, and well, I know you're mostly in New York, so I don't know why I said here. I should have well, mentioned <laughs> you were in the studio audience at, at midnight. So I knew, but I assumed for the listener, <laughs> yeah, okay, I should clear yeah, that up. All right, everybody. I'm in Los Angeles. So I kind of, you know, came here. I'm a big podcast fan for, you know, years and all this stuff. And I'll do my best not to say anything too unanonymous. But so I was doing okay. I was staying with a a friend of my mom's for a little bit out in Orange County, like out in Brea. And I was driving into Los Angeles to do these recordings. And I got to meet some of these amazing people who really changed how I looked at fame how I really processed comedy and what it meant to me. And I was doing well for a while. And then I broke up with someone. It turns out when you break up with somebody, but they don't want you to live with them any longer. So I had found myself uh, without residence. And so for a while I was kind of, uh, you know, traveling, staying with friends anywhere in the driving distance of Los Angeles, pretty much wherever I could. Uh-huh. So you find yourself homeless. A, you're not like, you're yeah, not on the streets was, homeless, but you're, you're, uh, you're living like the, you're like a circus. You're living I, the circus life. You have no yeah, home. I was a little bit, but then, uh, but then I was also living straight out of the car, but I was a you sexiest were. mother in that, in that Starbucks. I'll tell you what, every morning. But wait, this is um, true. So you <laughs> lived out of a car. You would sleep in a car. You would wake yeah. up in a car. Yeah. So you actually, so Uh you found yourself homeless. You explored levels of homelessness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but it was, I mean, every night I would fall asleep listening to like Professor Blastoff and stuff like that. And uh, I actually got to tell Tig how much it helped me out this summer. It was amazing. Um, 
But yeah, podcasts have been so huge for me. And, you know, I just had a, sorry, I just had a couple of people who, who really kind of said the same thing that your wife did, which was, we support you regardless of your, you know, if you make this happen or not. And yeah, I just had a few people really, you know, help me out. And, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm not sure how much I want to tell you cause there's definitely some other stuff that, uh, uh, not super proud of, but it, it definitely a long story, but, uh, you can tell yeah, me whatever I'm, you I'm want. Doing better. I'm letting you know you're crying and I'm telling yeah. you, I'm on the verge of tears. So this could just oh, well, be. Don't do that. No, please. I'm a, I'm a big I'll give you cry a happier. I'll give you the happier ending version. Of, oh, no, 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 no. I woke up. You don't have to make anything. <laughs> I woke up happy. this morning and, uh, and then I got to, you know, I live indoors now. <laughs> you live indoors? And That's a victory. That's a victory. It's, oh, hell yeah. I How, mean, long How long have you been indoors? How long have you been indoors? Uh, for the last like two months. Two months. So, and how long were you how long were you living out of your car? Um, off and on for like six months. Wow. So about the the better part of last year I was uh and I know it's illegal, but there's this great spot in Santa Monica that's just absolutely there's lots of cops, but at the same time if you're in the right neighborhood it's super safe. So if you gotta live in your car <laughs> that's a place to do it. <laughs> so you're, we have an exclusive, <laughs> we have an exclusive here on my show, which is that Santa Monica thumbs up for, for homeless living, <laughs> but we're making jokes. Well, and also, <laughs> I want to know, I want to yeah, know. I, like, try to, I try to make jokes about it, but it's, right. uh, it was rough. <laughs> well, that's what jokes are for, right? I, hope the next, I think that's why I've always been into comedy. Like there's just been so many, I don't know if they were personally made, and that's the problem is I always wonder how much of my success has been, you know, or my perceived success is whether or not, uh, you know, the roadblocks are put in place by me or, it, you know, am I my, my own saboteur? Am I yeah. creating all these roadblocks for myself? Am I not allowing myself to be happy? I get to work with, some, you know, you were talking about SNL. I get to work with someone who used to be on SNL. And I get to do all these other things, but I can barely afford to do it. And, but I'm like, what's, what's more fun? What's more important to me? Yeah. Being poor and getting to do that interesting thing or going back to, you know, the Midwest where I'm from and working in a factory and not being that happy, but comfortable. Well, I hear you, and so I also feel like some success. people have an easy yeah. path, but then some people in art, it's like uh, you got to at times, I think, decide, are you will, are, like, I always remember, I remember when I started doing stuff at UCB, I, I remember having that decision where I, th- I remember my parents sitting me down and they were like, what is going on where you, you, because you, <laughs> like you started this when you were sophomore in college and you got a degree, but you almost dropped out of school because of this stuff, and now... You're doing this stuff where you just perform for free all the time in New York, which is an intimidating city, and, like, you're this depressed right. kid. And I remember having to make a conscious decision of, like, this is what I'm going to do even if it ruins my life. And I think sometimes some of us have to risk, like, I'll ruin my life completely. 
if it means I get to do the thing I love. And sometimes you have to go all in on that. Now, can I ask you, I'm just going to put this out here. exactly Be- it. <laughs> I'm going to put some, it sounds like you and I have some similar stuff, and I'm, but I'm also very um, yeah. <laughs> willing to say that it sounds like, like, like uh, you, you've. No, you couldn't, you could not have worded that any better. I cannot express to you that that was, yeah. I mean, if this destroys me, it will be the most amazing destruction I've ever experienced. That's a beautiful phrase, the most amazing destruction I've ever experienced. Now, I'm going to put some stuff out there. In this conversation, you know, I think, it, like, you've, you've revealed some stuff. You've gotten emotional, and I don't want to exploit that. I, I don't want to. No, no, no. no go, never apologize. No, never big, apologize. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big emotional person, and I don't apologize for that. I apologize for, for the crying where it no. interrupts my speech because, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. But hey. I— Trust me, I'm a big emotional Listen, person. Listen, <laughs> you're, you're in the world of podcasting. Do you know how many downloads that crying just got me? Do you know? <laughs> do you know what Podmas? Do you know what Podmas is saying about that crying right now? Podmas is talking about the depths they. This, here's this. Uh, pod, here's these calls, and 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 sometimes they come below the surface, man. Podmas, come on, you oh, you know hey, well, you know the gift yeah. you just gave me. But listen, here's the thing is that you've lived a life that I think many people wonder about. And I think there's many people, it's interesting. It's interesting because, you know, I I read a lot. I'm a very big nerd and I just try to consume information. And I've read a lot about, for example, like the working poor. There's a whole class of America that doesn't get talked about much, which is people who are employed, but who do not make enough money to actually sustain themselves. There's a whole social class in America of people. It's so fascinating. I've read poverty so much of so many people. Stamps until this month. Like I, I, I went as long as I possibly could before I admitted I had to do that. So I want to know what that's like, and and I'm not asking. I'm not, I don't want to twist your arm. I don't want to make this exploitative. But to me, it's like twist my arm. Do you have any idea what an open book I am? I, I'm learning. I'm learning quickly. But to me, some of the questions I have are like that first night. That first night you sleep in a car. What's that like? Is there freedom? Is there a sense of freedom there? Is there a sense of fear there? What kind of people is there? Is there the one sense I get is that there's a whole hidden world amongst the homeless of, are there people you come to know? Are there other homeless? Are there people trying to help? What's the culture? There are are definitely, um, well, because I, you know, I wasn't on the street literally. So, I mean, being in a car definitely helped. I mean, I was sleeping on a comedian friend's floor on an air mattress for a little bit, and then I had to go and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I wasn't constantly in the car, but when I would, um, there would be, I would park next to a uh, Starbucks close enough where I could get Wi-Fi so I could, you know, look for places and jobs and stuff like that. And, and then, uh, there's one, there's this one parking lot in Santa Monica specifically where there's a 24 hour subway, CVS, et cetera, that kind of thing. And, I noticed that I wasn't the only one who enjoyed that parking lot. There was there was 80s metal guy. He would roll down his windows and Ooh. just blast, like, you know, um, all kinds of, like, hair metal bands. And I swear he would just, like, he, he tried talking to me before. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm pull up on friends. I'm, I don't need, you know, I know what got me here, which was just a lot of poor decisions. Yours might be a different story. So, but there would be a lot of them, uh, 
you know, that would cover up their windows and just park in the parking lot. I mean, and just hang out. And did you get the sense these were, are these people just hanging out or did you get the sense that these were other people living? Oh no, no, no. I see them there almost every other night and doing the same thing that I was doing, which was like, I would hang out there so I could use the bathroom, brush my teeth, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. Although once I did brush my teeth in the car and when I went to sit out the window, I hit my head on the, oh. on the, on the, the car door. I mean, is that a particularly that will really humble you. Yes. Is that a moment <laughs> going, where you feel like the, like the world is shining a spotlight on your situation? I just go, Hey, dumb dumb. What are you doing? Now, here's, I have a college degree yeah. and, and I can't find a job. Yeah. And you're in a it's Starbucks like a parking one. lot. That's terrible. It must be terrifying. It must be terrifying. <laughs> And you're so uh, it's still rocking a hard place. Now yeah. you're sensing, you're <laughs> noticing all these other people who are also pulling their cars into the same lot, and you realize there's other people mm-hmm. who have naturally yeah. found this world. Do you start to talk to these people? Is there sh- information sharing, or is this a? Well, we are- definitely there. I I definitely have talked. Usually, I only talk to other women that I've seen. But the problem is, uh, one of my friends said there's a reason why I don't see many females and this is a sad state of sexism but it's true i guess but there's a reason why you don't see very many female homeless women you know on the street because the ones you do see are generally bananas i mean beyond bananas mm-hmm. you know to the point where you know and the same thing there's a there aren't very many asian homeless because uh asians in like most of their culture is dealt around family same thing with uh indian people like you don't let that happen to your family that's really fascinating white people they're like "Eh, good luck so you so there's certain (laughs) ethnic cultures that as a homeless person you notice their families even families who maybe don't have the financial capability to care for someone else doesn't matter those there's certain cultures that step up and you see and it is as soon as you said that i realized when you said that a lot of female homeless people maybe tend to be more bananas I have, as soon as you said that, it made me think some of my interact living in New York, you know, you do interact with the homeless from time to time. And it does make me realize some of the most intimidating interactions I've had with homeless people are interactions where I felt like the person was maybe most unhinged. I do think that interactions with some female... Well, the problem is a lot of people who, yeah, a lot of people who are homeless, the problem is there's, uh, the problem mostly is mental illness and then drug and alcohol abuse. Right. And I mean, s- I like to smoke a little pot and stuff like that, but there's, that's by no means what got me to where I was. Right. So, <laughs> you know. And when you say the other culture, do you think that females from, like, do you think, what is it that you think gets, keeps other females off the street and less mental illness? Do you think maybe there's more sympathy amongst families for females? Do you think that females have more of a, an ability to maybe link up with, uh, is it, I, I don't, again, the culture of homelessness, are females linking up with men yeah, in that it's world? Yeah, really strange. Um, a lot of times that's what it is. I mean, and I personally, um, I wasn't sure whether or not I should unpack this at all, but then I said, nah, F it. Um, so I was, you know, when I w- whenever I would stay at people's houses, and uh, like one of my friends, he was, you know, he would go to work and I'd stay at his house. I was doing um, what they call internet porn. <laughs> so. Wait, what do you mean? Uh, you know, 
uh, like cam porn, whenever you, if you've ever gone to look at, at porn and then you accidentally get redirected and you see a bunch of boxes with women on them. Right. No, yeah, I, I know that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, I'm just talking about, so you yeah. would stay, but I want to be clear just on the timeline. Sure. So this was when you were in and mm-hmm. out of homelessness, you would stay with someone yeah. and one of the ways you'd make quick money would be, you'd be, I think it sounds like what you're referring to is what the internet calls a cam girl. Yeah. Yeah. So the the thing is, you know, not exactly my favorite, but it's the only job you can do where, you know, someone telling you to get naked, you don't have to call HR. You know? Right. Why am I jumping in the middle like this? Because we got to take a short break, okay? We'll find out where this conversation is going to go when we come back. Today's episode, guess what? Brought to you by Squarespace. Now, I, I, I will tell you, I, uh... I've tried to build websites. It's it's like the Wild West. I'm 35 years old. Technology? No thanks. I need somebody who's going to make it easy. Easy to make things like a website or a portfolio or an online store. Guess who makes it easier than anybody else in the game? Squarespace. Their sites look professionally designed. Doesn't matter if you don't know how to code. They make it easy. Any skill level. You get in there, make a good-looking website. It's intuitive. It's easy to use. You get a free domain if you sign up for a year. That's, I mean, they, they couldn't, they're handing this website to you. I don't get why you're not making it right now. Get out there. Do it. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Guess what? When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code CG. You get 10% off your first purchase. CG, like Chris Gethard, the guy you're listening to right now. I'm telling you, they want to make your life simpler. Squarespace.com, offer code CG, get 10% off. Today's show is sponsored by Howl.fm, which is like Netflix for podcasts. With Howl Premium, you get exclusive access to a brand new Howl original comedy series, The Mysterious Secrets of Uncle Bertie's Botanarium, starring Jemaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. You follow a ship, the Jewel of the Gravy Isles, on a mission to find the source of pleasure in the world, Heaven's Clover. Clearly, this is a podcast unlike any other. It's also got a rich, detailed sound design and original music produced by an outstanding creative team. From New Zealand, and I cannot imagine how weird this one's gonna get. With Howl Premium, you also get exclusive access to over 120 hours of Howl miniseries. You get audio documentaries like The Complete Woman, Finding the Funny with the Sklar Brothers, and Issa Rae's Fruit. You get 80 comedy albums, archives, WTF, Comedy Bang Bang, How Did This Get Made? They're all there. You get access to all of it on your iPhone, Android, whatever, the web, $4.99 a month. And with the promo code BEAUTIFUL, you get a full month free trial. Redeem the code. You go to the web, Howell.fm. That's H-O-W-L.fm. Use the promo code BEAUTIFUL for a one-month free trial. Howell Premium. Check out the mysterious secrets of Uncle Bertie's Botanarium, along with dozens of other things, hundreds of other things, thousands of other things. Check it out. Howell.fm. Let's go ahead. Let's get back to the phone call. It sounds like what you're referring to is what the internet calls a cam girl. Yeah, yeah. So... The the thing is, you know, not exactly my favorite, but it's the only job you can do where, you know, someone telling you to get naked, you don't have to call HR. You know? Right. But the thing is, <laughs> the the thing is, you know, it's not it's not who I am. It's not the best representation of the person I am. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things that I'm like, and I, I haven't been able to do it at all because I just I just can't anymore. So I don't mind talking about it now. But the thing is. And this the reason was, why I bring that up. This was the mm-hmm. way you could make money in this stretch of your life. You needed cash at times, and this was it. Yeah. And then you have to go on these cams. Yeah. This is a thing where you're like, this is not me. 
But then you have to go on these cams and also put on a show where you feel where these these men watching will feel like, oh, this is here's this carefree person, and we're chatting back and forth, and this and that. Hi. Oh my God, you're so cute! Oh my God, oh, so these I are one on one. I are, love this. And are you? Oh, yeah. I, again, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm, not I, I'm certainly not an yeah, addict. Go for in it. The, I brought it up. Well, no, here's because here's my thing. Because <laughs> you're sharing, I'm just going to be open and honest. Um, yeah. I, this is not a world I dabble in, but as a man, the internet affords a certain level of. Uh, oh, I watch porn a lot. Yeah, there you go. So I know some and, of these sites. Know. It's like big groups of people watching at the same time. Some of them people are paying for one-on-one interactions, and I just think. Right, that's what I would do. You would do the one-on-one interactions, uh, which to me feels well, a little bit so, more intense in a way. Well, so what happens is, um, you know, you'll be in a big group room, and then. You know, someone will be like, oh, my God, you're so awesome. I have to have you to myself. I have to rescue you. Which I believe is like the animal. I I don't want to plug any sites if they would like to be a sponsor. This to me feels sort of like the Chatterbait model. Isn't Chatterbait the big site that's uh, along these lines? Yes. Um, I'm on that one and I'm also on another one. I don't want to advertise the other one because they steal too much of women's money. (laughs) I mean, like they would take four. I'm serious. Like they take a, a... it takes so much. So if you ever, if anyone ever hears this, if you ever really like a cam girl and want to support her, send her Amazon gift cards or something. I know. Again, in my in my in my moments of dabbling, I've noticed that there are Amazon wish lists. Oftentimes, you're saying Chatterbait that, is a little bit that. more empowering for the performer, though. A, a little bit more. Like they definitely do make a little bit more uh, percentage wise. And that's the thing. Like people think that they're being so generous. I'm like, every time you donate a dollar to me. I only get twenty three cents. Wow! I'm like, so you're saying we you know, can put this out? Here's dollars. a thing we can put out there into the world, and I think you know, I think a lot of the listeners of this show are going to generally be. I think there are young men who tend to follow my work. If you are someone who want, if you are someone who experiences pornography, which is not wrong, but you are also someone who wants oh, yeah, to empower. If you want to empower this the performers, you're saying if there's an option to send someone something directly, those Amazon wish lists. Oh you're my saying, God! Buy, that's buy the way. Their wish list. Yeah, like, you know, and a lot of times if you've got their Twitter or something, buy them something and they'll do Skype shows and stuff. They're not supposed to say that because I got, I got um, banned for two days for giving someone my email address. Wow. Go follow your girl on Twitter. Go ask her, like, about Skype shows and stuff. So that way it's not recorded or whatever and blah, blah, blah. It's all on your own terms. Wow. Yeah. Now, and, can I ask you, can I ask you a I, hard question? Can I ask yeah. you a difficult question? You have mentioned. I was going to say, hard is a little too double entendre for this fair, conversation. Yeah, I don't mean to segue difficult. out of the pornography okay. section with erection <laughs> jokes. I'm not, no, I promise. Please no, do. but you mentioned certain <laughs> cultures, people's family embrace them. You mentioned that maybe women, right. people's families are a little more sympathetic. So, a, a difficult question. Well, and that's why I mentioned it was that, that women would be taken in more often. Yeah. You but know? here's my difficult question, it, and you don't have to answer this sure. if you don't want. Where was your family? What's your what was I that know. situation? I know. What do you think? I mean, you um, don't have to answer it, and I know that might be a difficult oh, no, one, I and I don't want to force it. But if you're willing to share, it is the. Do you remember this background of podcasting, etc. My my whole the only person who's got you know the the market covered on full disclosure is probably Dan Harmon. So I'm like. I'm right. I'm right in that vein. You asked me. You know what? If someone else feels like I've said something that they wish they could say or connect with what you or I have said at all, my I feel successful. So 
we're good. Yeah, my family, um, my mom, actually, I did tell her about the camp stuff, and she she wasn't super excited, but I told her a lot of funny stories and stuff. And by the, by the end of our conversation, she was like, you know, as long as you're doing it because you want to, if you don't want to do it, don't do it, that kind of stuff. And is it um, even before that, is your mom aware of your living out of a car situation? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, my mom personally couldn't afford to do more than, I mean, she was paying for my phone. But, like, that, she doesn't buy me presents for Christmas or anything like that, uh, or birthdays. She pays for my phone, and that's amazing. I mean, so wow. I, I definitely, yeah. But so my... uh and my dad and my stepmom, they basically were like, well, you can come home whenever you want, but this is your match. If you, if you, you know, you decided to go out to California like five years ago and all this other stuff, if you're not making it work or something, that's on you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, you, if you don't, it sounds like you don't, you don't, you don't come from a rich family. It sounds like, and hardworking people who no, want, but they, they're, yeah, they they're want to have your Midwestern, back. Yeah. And the thing is, if I moved home, they would be the first people to like, yeah, stay here for a while. We'll make you feel bad in about a week. And then, you know, that you're not doing anything or if you haven't found a job, but. So you can say, um, you can say I mean, very honestly, more than almost anyone else I've ever known in 15 years of being an mm-hmm. artist, you can say, I, I wanted to chase my art bad enough that I, w- I was willing to fall on the sword to such a degree that I lived out of a fucking car to make it happen. You can say that so genuinely. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, well, it, it, you know what? Honestly, there is a... Um, Sorry to plug this again, but I, I was, you know, I go through spots of uh, like, uh, like marathoning or binging or whatever on on certain you know people's shows, that, especially if I hadn't heard them. And one of them I hadn't heard was Professor Glassoff, and there's one episode called Wealth, and it I was listening to it in the car, just trying to fall asleep, um, you know, and just reclined back, and there was this moment where. Someone said, How, you know, what is wealth to you? Is it having a lot of money? Or is it, for me, it's being able to spend time with my wife and kids. That to me is wealth and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this guy understands exactly what I'm talking about. Because I would be, if I were back in the Midwest in my crappy little town, you know, living very financially comfortable, I would be more miserable because I've done that. I would be more miserable than buying all my groceries at the 99 cent store and, you know, being embarrassed to get food stamps and, you know, making my furniture out of cardboard boxes and stuff for now. And that's so much, it's so much more rewarding for me. And And not everybody feels like that. That's why a lot of people move home. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And it's, 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 uh, you know, it's really, it's really, you know, what's really fascinating to me, because I'll say full disclosure, like I've gone for it. But at the end of the day, I I grew up very working class and and I'm an open book as well. And my parents, my father uh, managed to, he made a lot of money right at the tail end of when I was in high school. 
And I always knew my parents had my back, and I think it was a similar mentality to yours. But it's also – my point is you're in this middle ground where I knew I had my parents' support even though they had a lot of doubts. But I also knew that my safety net and my yeah. parents was one that could actually support me. And it sounds to me like you've got this really this really uh, kind of amazingly specific safety net where you can go for yeah. it. You have people's love and support, but that love and support does not extend to a degree oh, where it can – yeah, it has. It's there's not clear an unconditional limits. love and support, and it's almost to it's, me as someone yeah. someone in your position who's really dedicating themselves to this so hard that that idea of like you can move home to the Midwest and not live this life that at times is filling you with such doubt and at times such shame as you've described it. Um, oh, I want to quit. So, yeah, I want to quit so often. That safety the, net must like, be such a temptation, but it's also one that it's, it's the end be. of the dream. So the most. The most ironic part was every time that I've been on cam and had someone go, you know, and, and there's a way that they can um, call your phone and stuff like that, where it's rerouted through a server and stuff. I would have people tell me how much they loved, you know, I would do different voices for people, like some people like Southern and blah, 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 or, you know, British or something. So I would do different voices for people or act however they wanted. And the, the worst part that always dug at me so hard was you're telling me how much you love my voice and that's the thing I wanted to do. And it just, you know, I just wanted to be like, can you go tell someone? But I don't want to tell these people my real name because, I, you know, some of them are very psychotic and will try and find you. Yeah. But, but you know, that's the thing is like part of me is just, it's, it was just, it killed me sometimes to have someone tell me how much they would love to see me do something else. And half the time, I, my, two of my biggest customers never even wanted me to take my clothes off. Wow. And well, I'm going to tell you, too, just to jump uh, in on that, you do have a beautiful voice. You have the best voice. And it sounds like things are going a little better now. Is that, is it, how's it going? To, so I want to know, first of all, it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're starting to move on the podcast stuff you've indicated. Sounds like even if there's cardboard well, furniture, yeah, you got a roof over your head now. I do. I was going to say, I'm like, uh, hey, uh, I, I think you were in. Were you in the earbuds documentary? I think they. For some reason, I uh, there were so many podcast people that they interviewed. Yeah, I don't but, think so. Um, I'm. It's secrets. I'm in there somewhere. So if you wanna, and the anonymity thing is arbitrary. I made it up. It's a hook. We don't. We can ignore it if you want. No, no, you can tell us any specifics like this. Yeah. No. You, you edit. You edit however you like. Um. And then, but the, the reason why I bring that up is it's one of those like I've been a podcast fan for so long, and it just was. It was only within the last two years that people have been going. You should do this. Why aren't you trying to do this? And yeah. I'm like, Oh. So and within the last couple of weeks, I've been cutting together stuff and, you know, hopefully release something soon. But it's it just would kill me every time I get that, oh, I love your voice. I love your voice. Yeah. Put me, I want to be a cartoon. I want to I wanna meet everyone. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That, you're amazing. No, Thank you're you amazing. You're, this, is the, this is one of the most amazing <laughs> conversations I've ever had in my life. We got about nine and a half minutes left, and I wish we could talk for hours. Um, that's one. Well, of, I should let you talk to more people. So. No, no, no. I want to talk to you forever. You're the best. But I can't imagine those moments when you're 
when you when you know you're gutting it out, you're doing stuff to survive, yeah. and this stuff is sexual, and you're saying it's not who you are, and then someone says something that reminds you of your dream. I can't. I don't know yeah. how you keep going. I don't know how you keep going at that point. Oh man, you know what? It. I just. I just knew that. I would. You know. I think you said this. You know. But it's just. I would rather let this destroy me. I would rather let this consume me, completely whole, like a giant whale off the side of a cruise ship, and go out having done something or try to do something really great. Well, that's beautiful. And, and can I point something out that's really amazing? <laughs> Is that you, sure. you brought up in the beginning, we were joking. First of all, you called up and you were like, I write <laughs> wacky questions. That's what you were going to talk about, your wacky questions you write down. And then well, the, you're the, a comedian. I, can't, I didn't think you wanted to get all... I'm barely you know? a comedian. Anybody who knows my work at this point knows I'm barely a comedian. I, half the shit I do oh, is sad. Over half my work is sad. How am I a comedian? But listen, you brought up <laughs> I would be swallowed by a whale, and that's that. And you said that it seemed like kind of just a joke or arbitrary. But then when you think about all the Joseph Campbell shit out in the world. There's like a whole part of the hero's journey, which is the belly of the whale. And then you describe this beautiful hero's journey you're on, where you went out and you're chasing something. You have an actual grail quest in mind to be a successful person in this field you've chosen. And you sacrifice everything along the way. You do some things you're not proud of in the name of doing it. You barely hang on. There's so many chances to give up. And you literally are living a hero's journey. And there's, And I'll tell you what. I don't see any way you're going to fail. Can I say something just totally from the bottom of my heart? And I'm saying it now, even though this would be a way to end this podcast if I want to be strategic and I'm looking at the timer, but I want to make sure we have the full conversation, which is this. We were talking before about how I still have this whole deprecating shtick, and that's a shtick that has served me well over time. But I am aware that I am more successful than that shtick now. It doesn't ring as true as it used to, and I can use it for laughs. But I will say this. Having a TV show named after me, I'm now in a position where sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, hey, give me things. Hey, I deserve things. And I've had some people, I'll tell you what, I'll be totally honest, and I hope this doesn't hurt their feelings saying this. I've had some people come to me who say like, hey, I should be a writer on your show. And there's been a few examples where Why should you be a writer? What have you done? Exactly. How how hard are you working on your craft every day? And these are good people. These are friends. These are people who have worked on the show in some capacity, but it's like you haven't put it on the line yet. And just because I'm in a position to give it to you, your 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 ability to get in a position where you and I can have this conversation is in some ways necessary to get a job like this, but it's not all you need. And, and And like there is a part of me just knowing where I came from and my mentality about art, which is like, are you willing to fucking die for this shit in a very real way, not in a hyperbolic way? Yeah. Like would you actually fucking yeah. freeze to death on the street if this didn't happen for you? And that's a question that I... I pretty close a few times because... Being, being even in Santa Monica during the winter is, is rather rough. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Even with a, even with a car to sleep in. Because that's the thing I would imagine is there's like a basic level where there's some level of like, well, yeah, you got a car, but it's like, well, are you going to sit there and burn that fucking gas? Or are you going to risk the fact that your battery might die if you turn the fucking heat on for too oh, long? Oh, no, no. I blankets, blankets. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't run the gas. You, you can't, you risk can't it. afford it. <laughs> so my point is this, is you have this story to tell. And uh, it's a story unlike any story I've ever heard. 
and that there are people out there who can afford opportunities. And I bet the people who are the real deal are going to be willing to listen to that story because I bet they've had to make some similar <laughs> decisions that they were willing to struggle and didn't have to struggle. I'd like to think that in my gut, I was ready to struggle the way that you were ready to struggle, but I didn't have to due to some good luck, due well, to some... I didn't think I was ready. I, I didn't. I never, if you would have asked me, are you willing to do this? I probably would have said no until I was, you know, put in that position. But And I think that... That's amazing. You know... You were put in that position. You had to keep fucking doubling down. You keep had. You kept having to say, "Is this worth it? Is this worth it?" And for some fucking reason, that even I don't know if I agree with. You've said yes. Like, is being homeless exactly. worth chasing my dream? Yes. Is doing pornography worth chasing my dream? Yes. Anything to fucking make it happen. And on top of that, you're nice. And on top of that, you're smart. And I can tell you, as someone who is entering a phase of my life and career where I can sometimes afford people opportunities. Someone who's nice and smart and has fought for it as hard as you are and who has earned it as much, if you put yourself in this position where you are willing to tell this story and you are willing to not exploit it and not make it like, oh, here's my, I'm selling you this instead of my talents. But if you make it clear to people, I have fought so hard and I'm, I'm willing to go this far, there's no way you're not going to get what you want. There's no way you're not going to be successful. As long as you, as long as you actually you. are talented and skilled at the fields you're chasing – there's no way someone willing to take it this far won't find allies. That's one of the main things I have found about art is like you don't just need – it's not a matter of finding like other people who in – my, in my case, it's comedy. It's not about finding other people who are funny or who share my sense of humor. It's yeah. about finding fucking allies. That's who you find. That's why I have found like some of my best friends who are artists aren't even comedians. They're musicians because I'm like, right, we don't even need to do the same thing. But I'm serious You'll find your allies. You'll find your allies. You'll find your people who re- you, because you're one. I'm telling you, I can say this: fifteen <laughs> years doing comedy in New York, which is not always the easiest world, very competitive no, I world. Can't imagine it. You're one of the, I, you are someone who I. You're someone who I and just in talking to you for fifty-seven minutes. You're willing to fight harder than anybody <laughs> I've heard about, and also you actually lived it. It wasn't just. I know so many people who have said to themselves, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. You're one of the only person, you're one of the only people I've ever talked to who has actually done whatever it takes. You have lived. I'm not, I hope this is, I hope this makes you laugh and doesn't feel like judgment because it's not judgment at all. But I will say you have lived, you have, you have actually committed to living the nightmare that a lot of us say we would be willing to live in a theoretical world that we had to. And you did it. And it's amazing. And you're going to crush it. You're going to crush it. There's no way you're not. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, yeah. This this was amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I got the fortunate, you know, some things do work out in my favor. And, you know, I chalked today up as a win already. So, thank you. Thank you for being so open and so honest and, uh, and prefer being willing to share this because it's fascinating. You say whatever you want. Oh, I just want to say one more thing. And you can cut this if you like, but um, I started a podcast group and I just wanted to say hi to, to the nighttime phone corner. So that's it. The nighttime phone corner. <laughs> Do you really think I'm a callous enough person that after all this, I'm actually going to be like, well, <laughs> this has to be anonymous. Cut that part out. <laughs> say whatever you want. Hold on. No, Wait, hold well, on. There's, there's, there's no. almost thousand people in there so what's it called again uh nighttime foam corner the nighttime it's partially foam? named after harris 
Wow. Look at F-O-A-M, that. F-O-A-M, yeah. F-O-A-M, not foam like telephone, foam like fucking styrofoam. Nighttime foam corner. I'm going to go ahead and break the whole mm-hmm. anonymous rule. Plug whatever you want. You have a show coming out. You have anything you want to plug. You do it. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. As long as you don't mind people maybe finding out who you are, I don't give a shit. I need to use whatever platform I have to let you get a leg up as much as this might apply. So if any Earwolf fans or Gethard Show fans are listening, you fucking commit to supporting this person because who has ever lived the shit? I talk a lot of shit that people respond to, and you're living the shit. So go ahead, plug away. We have a minute left. I'm going to say this. If your plugs take longer than a minute, don't let the fucking bell ring. Don't do it. Plug your shit. Whatever platform I have is your platform. What do you need to plug? I don't give a shit about um, the anonymous thing. It's fake. <laughs> okay. Um, all my stuff is, uh, you can find links to anything and everything on my Twitter at Julia W.D. Harrison. Julia W.D. Harrison, it's so nice to meet you. We are no longer anonymous. I will be following you momentarily. I don't care, Greta. I don't care. We need to get this person's back. Julia W.D. Harrison, I'm breaking the rules for you. We made that shit up. 26. Stop the clock, John. Stop the clock. We're breaking every rule, Greta. I can't let this homeless artist who's fought this hard not call out my platform. Gethard Show fans, you are a cult. Everybody knows you're a cult. I am your guru and your leader. You go fucking subscribe to Julia W.D. Harrison right now on Twitter. We get this person's back hard, Julia W.D. Harrison. What else do you need to plug? Um, well, I, I actually do a couple of voices. I'm, I'm one of the leads on a, there's a shark dropper show called Doppel Avenue Hurt. I have, I have links and stuff to that on there. So, you know, but yeah, go, go listen to that stuff. And I'm cutting together a new show where I'm doing all the voices and things and editing everything. And it's kind of like super ego, sort of, okay. um, like short little vignettes and things. Um, I can I can email you just a short bit if you're ever interested before I actually release it. Sure. I'm not quite done editing. So do but, me a favor. Yeah. Because we um, got to wrap up. Do me one yeah. favor, though, before we move on from this. Because we can cut anything sure. you want. There's a lot of stuff you shared yeah. knowing it was anonymous. Leave and it ma- all in. You're sure. You're positive. You're ready to share this Gathered. story with the world and attach your name to it. Because that's a choice you need to make. And I don't want to force oh, you into yeah. sharing that story before no. you're ready. No, my 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 whole I can't not be the person I am. And I'm not embarrassed of the things that I've done or the choices I've made. I, the only reason I didn't tell people about the cam stuff is I just didn't want people to find me. <laughs> you know, like find, you know, and then yeah. uh those ones don't know my my uh my porno name, you know. Yeah. Um <laughs> we're good, but yeah, it's just I'm not embarrassed of it and if someone else has there's even a, a cam girl uh, open cam girl in our uh, podcast group so yeah hell yeah go out and do your thing girl which is but, the uh, again yeah, the foam even, corner what is it what foam corner nighttime foam corner nighttime yeah, foam there's corner there's a link on my uh, it's it's kind of a it's a so any of the biggest earwolf supporters you know and people who are on the message boards I used to go in and find some of them and some of the biggest, like, comedy bang-bang people, you know, the guest heads, <laughs> Good. all those people, I would Good. find them and bring them into my podcast group. I'm going to do everything I can to help. They meet up and go to live shows. It's amazing. That's great. So, 
And I'm glad Thank to have you. your back. Thank you for sharing this story. And Thank I know you we've gone over time, so. <laughs> no, uh, we're breaking every rule for you. This is the only one, I'm telling you. You're the only one we've broken any rules for, and I've broken literally the only two rules, which is the length of time well, and the Well, you're breaking anonymity. my heart. So you think. broke everybody's heart. You broke my heart. Are you kidding me? <laughs> one last question, because we do have to go. Sure. Who would write your country's national anthem? Oh, God. Mm. Why is it I always write the questions and can't think of who would do it? Um, it would probably be somebody like, uh, it would probably be like a combination of Beyonce and, uh, and Ani DeFranco. You mix someone, someone in the middle there. <laughs> very heartfelt, but also very funky. So you're saying someone who lands directly between Beyonce and Ani DeFranco. <laughs> I think that's Regina Spector. Sounds to me like you mean Regina oh, Spector. I, I would love that. She would be an amazing national anthem writer. Regina Spector, I'm starting my own company. Or my own country, and uh, yeah, you go ahead and write uh, my national anthem. Thank you. Okay, I'll talk to Regina Spector <laughs> if I ever meet her. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. That, I this appreciate is, it. Please, thank you for being so honest and so open and letting me in on so many worlds that I've always wondered about well, and have never pleasure. known. My pleasure. <laughs> I hope you have a great day. You too. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. That call went there. As I said during the call, I'm barely even a comedian at this point. This barely. I'm, this is like, uh, in what way do I even say that I'm a comedian? But I'm, I'm totally okay with that if it means that I get to hear about that person's life and fight and come to meet her and support her. So please, as I said at the end, let's let's all get... Julia's back. She's fighting so hard, harder than I bet 99% of us have ever had to fight. So let's uh, let's get her back. Let's do the right thing. Let's be a community and support one of our own. I think that that's a fair thing to do. If you like the show, please spread word about it. Uh, let your friends, family, social media followings know. I know, it's a, I know it's a thing that everybody asks for, but I gotta ask for it. It's the way of the world these days. Subscribe on iTunes. Helps so much. Rate, review if you like it. Helps so much. Have a few people to thank Shell Shag for the intro music. My friend Shell Shag put out a new album last year, and I'd get their whole back catalog if I were you, because it's great. It's great music and the story. I want to thank the Reverend John Delore. I want to thank Greta Cohn for producing it, uh, having my back through even the intense phone calls. That's really great. You want to know about about me when I might be coming to your town? Dates on the road, chrisgethard.com, thechrisgethardshow.com for any info on the TV show. That's that. We'll be back with more. You know what? Go on the Earwolf Forum. Tweet at me, at Chris Gethard. Let me know what animal you would be eaten by. It's a fascinating question. Thank you, Julia, for letting me steal your question. Beautiful Anonymous. We'll see you next week. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, you'll you'll hear this and more. My grandfather was World War II guy, and my grandmother was actually a, uh, a French spy during the Second World War, and that's how they met. He ended up rescuing her from Birch's Garden. He was she was uh, held captive in the Eagle's Nest, and um, no wait, you said your your grandmother got rescued from Birch's Garden. That's not wasn't that like Hitler's comp- private compound? Yeah, that was where they that was where he had said if Berlin was ever to fall, that would be where the, the last of the Reich would would put up a defense.
next time on Beautiful Anonymous. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.